Hey there, folks. Welcome back to the Classic Camera Revival. And we've done it. We made it through 2022. So we have the whole gang here. And I mean all six of us here tonight for our final episode of the season. So let's roll the credits and dig into those holiday leftovers. Welcome to the Classic Camera Revival, coming to you from the Greater Toronto Hamilton region of Ontario, Canada. If you don't have gear acquisition syndrome now, you most likely will by the end of the episode. All right, so it has been a very busy year for us. We've had a fantastic season and things are, well, things are what they are, but everyone has had a amazing year we've all explored something new something different there's been some good stuff there's been some failures so let's get into it and starting off with john meadows and he has been rocking his portrait series at the only cafe again we are super happy that the place has survived but he is working on simplifying things so john take it away yeah, uh, this was a year in which I didn't try a whole bunch of new stuff. I guess the only real new things I tried was I got uh, the Fuji 6x9, the Texas Leica, and I've been using a lot of the uh, flick film black, white, and green. But uh, apart from that, you know, leaving the, the digital side, uh, you know, the, the digital thing aside, as far as films and going, it's just been simplifying, simplifying, simplifying. Um, except, you know, on those occasions where I get given a roll of color film or something like that, or I still have stuff in my fridge I need to use up. I basically don't shoot color um, in film anymore. Um, I just find it uh, it's too expensive for for me in my current circumstance. So if I want to do film uh, color, I will uh, I will sort of use the D word, but I will uh, shoot digital. And for me, like if I think back, like, to, you know, I started off uh, with photography in the 1970s and, you know, didn't, again, did not have a lot of money, especially not as a teenager. So from necessity, as much as anything, I was shooting black and white 99.9% of the time. And, and of course, like shooting for the school newspaper, that was also black and white all the time so it became my mother tongue um so to speak for film photography so i just made the decision that almost all the time i will be shooting black and white and the funny thing is even when i shoot digital half the time i convert the results to black and white so i'm just basically acknowledging that that is the way i rock and there's no problem with that there are plenty of, of photographers for whom black and white is their their jam, their thing. So I've admitted that. Um, also, in terms of film stocks, like one thing, you know, except for the very rare treat, uh, I decided not to mess around anymore with with the weird stuff, like with the uh, esoteric film stock. Because um, eventually, I think you get your heart broken. Um, either it uh, it stops being made. Uh, or the price just goes through the roof. Like I used to love to shoot uh, the uh, Fuji uh, peel apart instant. And, you know, I'm not going to 
pay 10 bucks a shot now um, to do that. So, you know, I just, I don't do that stuff anymore. Uh, it's sad because I enjoy doing some of the, uh, the all processing, uh, like, you know, basically uh, negative recovery, uh, the, the color negative bleaching, but you have to move on. So for film stocks, I'm shooting stuff like Ilford. Uh, I'm an Ilford fanboy, um, like HP five, especially in, um, in 120. I've sort of in, in medium format, at least I have, uh, I've kissed and made up with Delta 400. It's still not my, it's still not my, my first barrel, but uh, we get along now. Um, and I also like, uh, you know, I, I love the Ilford Pan F um, again, medium format. And again, and also about medium format, the more and more I do, I think uh, I'm, I prefer medium format. I've got the Hasselblad. I've got the, uh, the six by nine. The roll of flex, I'm afraid, is sitting on the shelf right now because the shutter has gone bye-bye. So, you know, it, it's a, it, the camera is as old as it's like 60 years old, so shit happens. So hopefully next year I can afford to uh, get it fixed. And then for 35 millimeter, like uh, there are three camera bodies which represent 90% of my black and white shooting or my 35 millimeter shooting, uh, Canon A1, the Nikon FM, and now that I have it uh, back from the repair shop, the uh, the OM1. So it, it's just a very, very simple workflow because at the end of the day, I just wanna see the, uh, the image. So again, nothing all that exciting for me this year, but just a change in philosophy. And yeah, I totally agree. Color film is incredibly difficult to get your hands on these days. The supply lines continue to be rough even at the end of the year, but there is a glimmer of hope. And that comes in the way of Cinestill 400D. And of course, all the companies jumping on the um, Arrow Color 4 color negative film in the form of flick films electro 100 and santa film santa color 100 and bill has been digging into both cinestill 400d and santa color so bill thank you Alex. Is a big secret okay um let's roll back the clock 10 months and we've seen all the uh Announcements about how Laris was just having supply chain issues. Portra 400 is rarer than 10's teeth. Hell, Color Plus 200, I believe, is no longer with us. Good luck finding Kodak Gold or Ektar 100. It's like, yeah, you just, the, the shelves are bare. And Laris is just like shrugging their collective shoulders, going, uh, and along came an announcement in the spring from Sinstill. And they dropped this new film stock, their 400D. And I've shot since still 800T in the past. It's great as a long exposure night uh, photography film. I shot 50D, which is a very unique film. And it's maybe not quite my personal cup of tea. But when 400D came along, I saw the sample shots. I said, like, eh, what the hell? I know, you know, we're, we're all friends with Andre Dominguez. Uh, who works for them. So I'll, I'll back a, a 10 rolls in their initial 
offering to the public. And again, I got it at the, the brick at the end of May and I just sort of dug into it. And the more I shot that film, the more I just sort of like, I really like this emulsion. Now, granted, is it cheap? Well, no, it's about the same price as Portra. Unlike Portra, you can actually buy Sinstill 400D without waiting, waiting some more. Dodging the restraining order from the camera store you usually go to because you want some, but they just don't have it. and They're just tired of talking to you about the subject. And I'm down to three rolls. I plan to order some more in the new year. Um, and again, it's, uh, it is a warm film. Uh, it, I've shot it through Canon. I've shot it through a couple of my Nikons and I've shot it through my Olympus OM4 uh, TI. And of it, I think I love the results out of the Olympus glass, Zoico glass the most. Now, a second film. Now, Alex here spotted me a roll of Santa 100. Now, I saw this announcement that our good friends at Camera Store in Finland got them got their hands on some Arrow Color 4, and they chopped it down to size, spooled it up. And it was like, I just looked at it going, well, that's lovely. Um, we're going to buy film from Finland. I looked at the pricing. I went, eh. And then Alex gifted me a roll. I ran it through my Canon new F1. Uh, towards the end of November in Niagara-on-the-Lake on a very sunny day. Now, the end results, I, and I shot at box speed. So, yeah, some of the frames look a tad cooked, but a lot of them looked really good. Now, granted, it's sort of like you're shooting it late November on a bright, bright, bright sunny day. The sun's really low in the sky, so the the light spectrum is going to be a little different than it will be in, say, July. But I'm, and again, it's sort of like, well, Santa Color 100 is not on the, not on the cheap side because you are buying it from Finland. Electra 100 is easier on the pocketbook. Uh, you can get it for about 15 bucks a roll Canadian, which What's Sektar 100 going for these days? $20 a roll, give or take? And again, I'm quoting Canadian funds. So it's a reasonable, it's a reasonably priced color film, relatively speaking, that's a little more exotic. Now, granted, you have to load it in a very shaded area uh, because you'll get possible light piping because... Santa Color or Arrow Color 4, let's call it for what it is, is on a an S-Star or a polyester base. So you might get light piping on the first two or three frames if you're sloppy with your loading, if you're doing it in the middle of the day with lack of shade. But other than that, it's a great film. Uh, I'm looking forward to shoot more of it. Uh, I want to take more of your recommendation recommendations and uh, shooting it slightly underexposed and say 125 or 160 ISO and see what the end results will be. And probably the nice thing about Santa color is even though it's rated at 100 by both flick film and um, under the Santa color brand, you can actually underexpose it really easily i have taken mine all the way up to 400 
and have gotten amazing results. Oh, wow. Um, but personally, my favorite is to actually shoot it between um, 125 and 200. Okay. So really 125 to 320. Mm-hmm. And you can get really amazing results without too much loss of uh, image quality. Are you changing your development times at all? Nope. No. Oh, okay. Straight C41. I, just, I took mine just to Burlington camera. All no four pushing. rolls I all four rolls I shot I took to uh, Burlington camera and just ran them through normally. No push development. Okay. Interesting. And what really makes it interesting is because it is an aerial surveillance film, it actually comes on a very clear base. So it probably would work really well for cross-processing as slide film. So run it through E6, or it would probably respond even well to a home ECN2 kit as well. Yeah, probably would. Yeah, and I imagine the dynamic range is quite uh, quite large too, being a surveillance. Thing. Well, I can't stop, but also comment. I I managed to pick up eight rolls of the Euphoric 100 from the Atlantic Film Company. Uh, haven't shot it yet because again it's like we're in the grave season now and I'd sooner wait till spring before I give it a try and I'm gonna I am going to private process that slide film I have to send my euphoric off to Atlanta this week to uh, actually get it processed in true ECN2 nice And if there is one thing that we love to see is people branching out and taking things even bigger than they have in the past. And that person is Jess, because when I first saw Jess's work, the first thought in my mind was she needs to try large format because she can rock the landscapes and you don't truly become a landscape photography until you pick up four by five. So I am very happy that Jess has finally got in her hand on a four by five. And the best part is it is from an amazing company, Intrepid. So Jess, take it away. All right. So 2022 is actually quite a big year for me. Um, I turned 40 this year. Yay. And for my birthday, I got one of my cameras on my bucket list, which is a Rolleiflex 2.8E. But one of the things that I was most, most excited about is when Intrepid reached out to me and offered to send me their brand new Mark V for free. Um, I could not have been more excited. I was ecstatic. I jumped on that and said, yes, absolutely. And all of a sudden was just wrapped in like a cloak of dread. How am I going to find all of the accessories to go with this? Where do I even start? you know, lenses. Um, Well, backs aren't so bad. Backs are actually relatively easy uh, as long as you find them in good shape. But, you know, and film types. Oh, my goodness. All of a sudden, all these films that I absolutely love to shoot and I could shoot them in big, big negatives. (laughs) It was just it was so incredible. So I just kind of slowly started methodically working through everything. I went to a secondhand shop in Montreal and I found two really beautiful lenses that I love. The uh, I'm going to try to get this right. So there's the Fujinon W, I think it is, uh, 125 millimeter lens and the Nikkor W uh, one fifty millimeter lens. 
And so far, those both are working out really well for the kind of work I do in the woods, especially. Uh, and yeah, I just I, I, I'm in love with them already. I don't know. I'm sure that there's a lot of other great lenses that are really beautiful or that might be more suited to my work. Um, but so far, I'm really enjoying those two lenses. The backs I also found at the same shop. And um, I don't remember which ones I got. Uh, I think there's like a Lisco or something Regal. I don't remember which ones they are, um, but oh, and Toyo. There were a few Toyos and those are all in really, really great shape. And luckily, none of them had any light leaks because me being me <laughs> in true Jess fashion, I went out, shot a video shooting with the Intrepid, captured my very first images that I've ever taken with that camera so that everyone could join in along with me. And I had not tested out the backs. So I had no idea if there was going to be light leaks or any problems, but there weren't. So I'm really happy about that. Um, and yeah, and then film. I, of course, started out with my absolute favorite HP5 and I am in love with it in 4x5. And I also took it out, a uh, little spoiler alert here, um, I took it out for my entire fall series. So, but for that, I decided to shoot Ektar um, because luckily it is actually available in 4x5. <laughs> it's not cheap, but I can find all the color films I like in 4x5 so far. So that's really kind of fun. Um, but I haven't developed those yet. That's going to be another new experiment I'm going to try this year is developing my very own C41 at home for the first time by myself, doing it on 4x5, of course, because why would I do it any other way? Uh, but also I picked up a Stearman Press, uh, what was it, the SP445, something like that? Yeah. Um, and that is an absolutely wonderful tank. That came on a recommendation from a friend, and I could not be happier with that tank. I am in love with it, so I'm pretty sure that developing color won't be a big deal. But I am just so excited to have that camera. It works like a dream. Um, I know some people have said that sometimes some of the movements aren't as smooth as other cameras and whatnot, but you know what? I don't know any better because I don't have any other camera. Uh, so, so far I am just really enjoying the Intrepid. It's a camera I've always had my eye on because ever since they first came out, they had always kind of branded themselves as the lightweight field camera, kind of adventure style, large format. And I really, really enjoyed that. I thought it would really suit my work, but I held off at first waiting to see how the generations were going to work out, how they were going to work out any kinks that there might be. So I didn't jump in right away, but by the time that the Mark IV hit, I was like, okay, this is going to be the camera that I buy for sure. And then I got a Mark V. So I am super excited about this if you can't already tell. <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, 4x5 is going to be big in my future this year. So yeah. That's, that's amazing. 4x5 is incredible. Um, yeah. I've shot, I shot a couple of projects that are being published um, in the new year on amazing. my good old fashioned Crown Graphic in black and white. I'm really looking forward to sharing those. And yeah, I I actually cut down the number of film holders in my kit by a half and kept six for myself and sent six to Jess. Yay. Now and, I'll have 12. And included a Schneider uh, Xenar 135 millimeter lens. Nice. Oh, I'm so excited. Thank you, Alex. Fill in the gap between the 125, which is an amazing lens. It's the one that almost never leaves 
my crown graphic and your 150 and you will be wanting more you'll want a 180 and you'll want a 210 oh, yeah. and oh i know I've, i'm already if I, shopping <laughs> if i ever give up four by five my lenses are going to you awesome yay welcome to the big big film club thank you i i just love those negatives like the first yeah. first time i pulled them out of the tank i just i literally tears came to my eyes because I just couldn't imagine that I would love seeing my work on such a big negative. Like I didn't think it would impact me in that way. And it wasn't like I did really great shots. Like I really went for like low hanging fruit, just some stuff around the farm just to get my toes wet, you know, but when I pulled it out and I saw that incredible detail and such little grain on HP five, even if I hadn't scanned it, just the negative alone, I, I was blown away. Yeah. And what, what, is fun too. Yeah. I think I have some, some slide film still. I will send you some and, or, and you can, you can shoot it, send it back to me. I will soup it for you and it will blow your mind. Yay. <laughs> this is exciting. It's like Christmas is coming already. <laughs> this is what CCR is all about folks. One thing I'd suggest, like I, I did used to do four by five, but I, even developed some four by five slide film back in the day. Mm. There is nothing, there's no experience like pulling a four by five transparency out of the tank. No. That's oh, just yeah. a whole That's different insane. universe. Yeah. Hey, you guys are giving me goosebumps now. <laughs> I'm like so excited. My mind is racing. And another, like a good um, economical option too, it's black and white, but FOMA 100, you can get 50 sheets. I don't know what the price is now, but last time I bought it, it was 50 bucks for 50 sheets from Argentix. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah. I've heard a lot of good stuff about FOMA pen in four by five. And you can even go to the freestyle house brand of Arista. Mm-hmm. Like my second four by five project was shot on Arista EDU ultra 400, which is FOMA pen 400. And awesome. the results are, they speak for themselves and there's always paper negative using enlarging paper like you're doing landscapes yes Yes. Uh, that's also something that i'm really excited about and i even picked up a small box of the Harmon direct positive paper to try out uh so yeah i think uh, 2023 i'm gonna be very busy (laughs) that uh your rb is gonna be collecting some dust no, 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 I, no, no, no. But uh, I hope that, yeah, I hope my cameras don't get too jealous. All my other ones, um, my 35 SLRs are kind of sitting to the side right now, looking at me sadly. Um, but uh, yeah, that's okay. I'll find time for all of them. Nice. Well, unfortunately, 2023 cannot be as exciting and positive as the rest of us, as our good friend Chrissy has found out, that sometimes things don't always go the way you want them. I mean, yeah, I guess that's quite a segue. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for telling everybody about all my successes that I've had in 2022. (laughs) But uh, if there's one thing, one lesson I've learned from old managers is that there are no failures. They're all just learning opportunities. And the one thing I learned in therapy is that it's always good to change your narrative whenever things are starting to get a little too negative. So 
maybe it wasn't my best year, but it was still a year full of experiences is how I'm going to kind of phrase it right now. Uh, But kind of like, I guess this happens with everybody. Beginning of the year, you get all like gung-ho about uh, starting new projects and starting new things. So near the end of 2021, I got myself a Polaroid Go because they're tiny and cute, which is almost the complete opposite of Jess's 4x5 that she just got, but still same, 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 but different just a lot smaller um and i had this entire idea of shooting uh, a 52 project with the polaroid go so the first time one of the first times i did a 52 project um i was kind of trying to channeling that so uh, back in i think it was 2016 or 2017 alex gave me um a lamography instant camera and i spent uh i did a 52 project on that just trying to see how far I could push it and see like what I can do and try to try to get the creative juices flowing, so to speak. And I was kind of hoping to channel the same type of energy and the same type of uh, vibes and like photos as I got from that. But as, as things usually goes with me and projects, uh, I started to lose some creative steam and just, it just didn't quite work out the way that I had originally hoped. So I think out of like, 52 shots I think I have like maybe 20 25 shots up on ye old Instagram right now but it's okay um I think that's my cat um I think what it really is that the big thing that I kind of learned is that I tried really hard to try to push myself and just where I was mentally for whatever reason personal reasons work reasons I just wasn't there and so when I tried to push myself it just it started making me want to like go farther and farther away from photography so I had like a lot of I had a lot of uh kind of like stops that happened sorry about that um but once I kind of like stepped away from it and then like I think I think it was like past the summer I started going back into like shooting again it started to feel a little bit more natural and just started to get back into just trying to get back into being creative and like looking at things a little bit differently and one of the things I love about Polaroids specifically is that no matter what shot I take, it's never really going to be the same. Like the second shot is never really going to be the same. So just trying to channel that and channeling how I could try to push the Polaroid go specifically and just trying to pushing and just trying to push uh, other type of like films that I could. So one th- other thing I did this year was shoot the Holga for the first time for Holga week. Um, I'll get that developed probably in 2023. Maybe we'll see. Um, but doing that, uh, one of my friends started getting into photography. So it's just me pushing all of my really random films on him so he can start playing around with that and experimenting with that. And as always with, uh, with every year doing the, the women's round table, just like finding new people and just being completely awe inspired by all the people that are out there, all the talent that's out there is just absolutely wonderful and like lovely. So um that was kind of what happened with me with 2022 and my not as successful uh, 52 project but stay tuned maybe 2023 will be the year that it uh it all gets done we'll see but you did get to try something new right you had the uh, polaroid duochrome that you that is with. true yeah so it was my first year my first time shooting duochrome and when they had the green duochrome as soon as i saw it my first thought was this is going to be absolutely different from anything I've ever shot in my life and boy howdy was it ever um 
the first couple of shots that I took with it, just because I guess I was just so used to kind of like shooting a straight Polaroid and not really having to think about um, the mono the the mono the monotones as much. Not as successful, but then later on, I kind of figured out uh, kind of things that are best. So I think my best shot I took with the Duochrome was just like a random one of like a streetcar in Toronto, and it's just looking at it and it's just it just blew my mind, just like how kind of cool it looks. So maybe 2023 will be more weird films and more more attempts at shooting. We'll see. Now, you also mentioned that you shot your Holga for Holga week and Holgas are an absolutely amazing camera and you really have to get into the groove to that. But James Lee was actually shooting Holga for the very first time ever this past year. So, James, what was it like? Well, um, let me tell you about my first time. So uh, thanks, Alex. Uh, you uh, um, just to be clear, Alex uh, lent me his Holga. That's the extent of my first time experience with Alex. Um, James, I just had to say you always remember your first. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I, I popped my Holga cherry earlier this year. It was and we certainly talked about it on one of the episodes. I think it was one of our uh, crazy camera challenge episodes. And um Anyway, I got to say, I really enjoyed uh, shooting the Holga. Um, I'd always wanted to try it. I really just didn't have any hangups about it. It was just one of those things that when you've got all these cameras to shoot and, you know, not enough time and you've got all these films to try, you know, sometimes you just have to prioritize things. And, um, and you know, I was fortunate that the opportunity came my way. Very simple process. It certainly, I think... Um, Shooting the Holga allowed me to sort of let go of what I would call sort of creative constraints that I've always, I guess, been trained in in photography and 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 what my experience has been in and, you know, kind of approaching things in a more technical manner in terms of exposure and that sort of thing. It kind of allowed me to just to let loose with composition and just, you know, let the camera do what it's going to do. Let that uh, let that lens do what it's going to do. Let the light leaks be where they are and you get what you get. And, you know, some things turn out and some things don't. It was it was um you know, quite a, like a refreshing experience. And I think like, I would recommend, you know, you know, try that, do what, you know, do what works for you, you know, make sure you have fun in doing what you're doing, like similar to what John was talking about and sort of changing his philosophy and, and doing what works. And I think that's really important in anything artistic because, you know, ultimately it's up to the artist to, to do what they want and to do what they like. And if, you know, their intentions become reality, that's great. And if sometimes those intentions turn into lessons, that can be even better. Um, so that was really cool. And I really enjoyed doing that. And the other thing that I, I messed around with this year, the other new thing was uh, fooling around with Eastman Kodak high contrast positive film, the 5363. So it's sort of a, a film that, that, you know, goes both ways. We've sort of talked about it in that it can be processed as a negative and it can also, you know, I guess it's sort of native um, output is a positive film. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a, uh, a sort of a medium speed um black and white film that uh, it's blue sensitive and, you know, it's primarily used in motion pictures for um, 
really, really high contrast work. So titles and things like that, it, you know, you could, uh, um, uh, you know, make those, uh, what are those things called? Not pictograms, but um, uh, you know, the word escapes me, but uh, you know, when you expose uh, objects directly on, um, on photographic paper and those things, uh, you know, with your enlarger, you, that's kind of like really, really high contrast, not detailed work. So it's a little bit of kind of a, an odd duck in that perspective in terms of usefulness, I suppose, in traditional uh, photography. Um, but I did shoot some, you know, traditional scenes with it. And uh, I was happy with the results I got. Obviously, very, very contrasty. Um, I had ordered uh, the developer from the folks, uh, the uh, Bellini photo out of Italy offer it. So I ordered it from um, uh, a dealer that was willing to ship from Europe to, uh, to Canada. And I, I got it quite a while ago, and I was sitting on it. So just the other day, I decided to give it a try. And it was quite a bit of a learning curve for me because there's really no published times. And um, uh, you, I, I did a little bit of research, and, I, and what I found was, um, you know, Kodak publishes their documentation on motion picture film developing, and this falls into that category. And so I looked at the Valentines, and I read it, and it says, please consult the data sheet. So I consulted the data sheet and the data sheet, you know, gave me this, you know, you need to develop at a time that's going to give you a, uh, a gamma control of, uh, of uh, 2.9 to 3.2. So my head started spinning. I'm like, well, how the hell do I calculate what 2.9 or 3.2 gamma control is? Like, I understand a little bit of sensitometry and, you know, I'm a bit of a film nerd, but I was like, what is happening here? So my head started to spin. Um, so I said, well, let me just read a little further. So in the, in the data sheet, there's an actual, uh, you know, uh, a, a curve chart, the characteristic curves of the film. And there's a little inset in there that tells you the development time and the, uh, the, the gamma that you're going to get. So basically it's eight minutes in D97 uh, at 21 degrees Celsius. Uh, and I did it for... Uh, eight minutes, as I said, and it, they turned out fairly well in 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 retrospect or hindsight. I when I do have another role, so I'll probably do it for about I'm thinking maybe six and a half to seven minutes. I'm hoping that will lower the contrast just a little bit. Um, but you know what? Really cool thing to try. Um, certainly very simple developer to use. You don't mix it. You just uh, pour it out from the stock solution and uh, I saved mine. So uh, I so I saved the bit that I used. I think I can, uh, they said it's about, you get about a hundred, a hundred feet per liter or something like that. So, uh, you know, fairly strong developer, I guess. And uh, yeah, it worked out rather well, something, you know, cool to try. If you can find the film around and you want to get the chemical ship from Italy, um, you know, not the most economical developer out there, but you know what? Hey, still a little bit of fun things to try and uh, kind of explore what's, uh, you know, what's le what's left and, you know, what's coming. So definitely had a lot of fun. And now one question about D97. Um, does it natively produce a positive result or do you have to re-expose the role? Nope. It's a native. Uh, yeah. So it, it is a native positive film uh, of developer. Uh, but it does say quite clearly on the bottle, this does not turn negative film into positive film. So it is a positive developer for positive film. So, oh, okay. So yeah. if you had something like, um, oh, what is it? 
I had um, some four by five film that was a positive film that you you could probably use it for that as well. You probably could. I'm sure if you if you check the data sheet, of the, I'm assuming it's an Eastman product. Yep. Um, uh, if you check the data sheet for that particular film and it gives you D97, then yeah, I would assume it would work. But nice. uh, yeah, they're very explicit because, you know, I think people look at it, oh, one step, turn my negative into positive, no re-exposure, uh, you know, stinky <laughs> chemicals, just, you know, um, but uh, I did see on the Bellini photo site, I must have gotten the last Ooh. bottle because they no longer sell it or it's at least no longer listed on their site. Ooh. So, oh, wow. But I mean, I guess, you know, I don't think the FPP has any more 5363 in stock either. So, yeah, I think that that film stock has ended production as well. Yeah. So, well, I mean, you can do titles nice and easy in Adobe Premiere and uh, after oh, yeah. After Effects these days, so you don't have to worry about. No, doing, it was uh, really just a bit of a fun sort of low expectation. See what you get. You know, just enjoy the whole experience. Try something new, you know, nerd out on, you know, characteristic curves and gamma controls and, you know, uh, fog optimization. And, you know, you're essentially what it all boils down to is you're trying to achieve, you're trying to optimize the tone curve of the film. So you're trying to get as steep as a curve as possible while preserving black and white points. So, I mean, isn't that the whole objective of developing film anyway? But, you know. Anyway, nice. Well, for me, this year has been um, John exploring, exploring a little bit more simplicity, and that means I've been looking at entry-level SLRs from the late '90s, early 2000s, and really being able to add these these simple-to-use um, late-model autofocus SLRs into systems that I already had in place. And the goal was to find a good camera to use for the Frugal Film Project in 2023. And I settled on, um, eventually settled on the Konica Minolta Maxim 70. Now this was the last um, 35 millimeter SLR produced by, um, produced by Konica Minolta. So it was produced in 2004, and it has everything I like about my Maxim 9, but in a much smaller package and a much cheaper package. And it can use all my existing Maxim lenses and more because it will support those lenses that have the autofocus motor that is built into the lens itself, something that my Maxim 9 doesn't have the ability to use. And it is just a nice, sweet little camera package. Excellent metering. The autofocus is a bit janky. Um, it doesn't always want to lock on to the right focus point, but I think it's trying to pick too many. So I really need to figure out how to set it to just just go as one. Just just keep it simple. Um, the trouble is it's um, the heaviest. It's also the noisiest. So I started looking at other ones. So I managed to pick up a Canon EOS 3000, which um, is a little rare in North America. They were really aimed more at the European market. Um, and it's by far has the best autofocus, the most accurate, because the Canon EF system was built 
ground up, autofocus, no mechanical interface. Everything's built into the lens super fast and can use every EF lens from 1987 until today. Um, the problem is that that side grip was a little too small. The real sweet spot I found was the uh, Nikon F65. And I'm a Nikon fanboy. So, and it also has the best exposure meter. The problem is, is that you can only use DX coated film. It will only accept DX coated film. If you load anything else, it'll automatically default it to 100. Now you can do plus minus EV adjustment, but when I'm using a simple camera, I want to keep it simple. So I ended up settling on the Maxim 70. And the best part is all these cameras can be had for well under $100. And the lenses can be had fairly inexpensive as well. And because they're so modern, there's less they're less likely to actually break anytime soon. You do have to pay a little bit more for batteries. Some of them do accept battery grips that allow you to use AAA or AA batteries, but I want something small compact that when I'm out with the family, I don't want that big camera with me always, especially if I am doing a family trip that includes the frugal film project role for the month. So they're just a really awesome um, group of cameras to get into, especially if you have existing digital systems such as the EF, um, the Nikon F mount or the Sony A mount that you want to give a try for 35 millimeter. These are ways to get into it without really breaking the bank. And the F65 is nice because unlike its successors, where they kind of split things up, they had the F75 and the F55. The F65 will support both your regular AF, your AFD, AFG, and the AFS lenses as well, which is something that the F55 won't. So that really wraps it up for this year. Uh, again, want to thank everyone who has um, interacted with us online. We love hearing your comments, getting messages through Instagram, through Facebook. Um, we love being able to share your work through our Instagram feed. Um, so please continue to tag us. Use the hashtag Classic Camera Revival. We might not catch everyone's work, but we but we definitely do catch a lot of people's work. And yeah, I hope everyone had an amazing 2022 um, and is definitely looking forward to another amazing year in 2023. We are definitely going to keep this podcast going. We have a good groove on. We are scalable like Harmon. And if you if you want to be a part of our show, if you think you have a great project you're doing or just want to chat film, reach out to us. We would love to have you sit in the hot get under the loop, do an interview with you. Um, reach out to me. Um, you can message me through Facebook, through Instagram. You can message the CCR account through Instagram, through Facebook, and we'll set up something for you. 
So best wishes for the new year. I hope you had an amazing um, holiday season, however you celebrate. As always, my name's Alex Lokes. Let's go around the table. Well, I'll go. Oh, okay. sorry, Bill. You want to go? I'll go. Okay. Yeah, this is Bill Smith. Uh, wishing everyone all the best for the holiday season and have a safe, happy new year. Hey, this is James Lee. Uh, if the last few years has taught us anything, um, hopefully it's taught us all that it costs nothing to be kind. Be kind to one another. It's been a shitty few years for a lot of people. Uh, the economy is not looking so good. Remember, it costs nothing just to put a smile on someone's face. Simplify your life. Have some fun. Get out there. Shoot some film. Shoot some digital. Whatever. Just record some memories in whatever way that makes you happy. This is uh, John Meadows. Uh, good luck in 2023. Remember, you know, if uh, your photography is a destination with uh, many paths, pick the path that works for you. And remember, the only audience that you have to satisfy is yourself. Jess? This is Jess Hobbs, uh, wishing you all a wonderful 2023. I hope that this year brings lots of joy and love to your to your lives. And just get out there and do whatever it is you love to do, whether it's photography, reading, painting, all that great stuff. Just get out there, have some fun, and I just wish you all the best. And last but certainly not least, Chris? Greetings and salutations, y'all. Uh, wishing everybody a best end of 2022 and a joyous 2023. Uh, and as always, see y'all later, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Mm-hmm.